Well, one of the great privileges that we have as a church is we get the opportunity to not only see God work in our community, we also get to be a part of God working in other communities. And the way we're making that happen in 2024 is primarily through our For the One Christmas offering. Um, a big part of this is going to invest in new churches throughout the state of the north of North Carolina. Uh, one of those is Township Church, which is our first church plant. Um, they're going to be launching in January of next year over in the Cleveland Clayton community. Um, some of y'all were here a few weeks ago when Pastor Sean preached. And so that happens because of your generosity. And so first off, I just want to say, man, thank you uh, to those in the room, those watching online. Thank you to those of you who give week in and week out. Um, and thank you to those of you who are going to take a step and go above and beyond that um, during this Christmas season so that we can advance in the mission of God beyond our own community. And so I just want to encourage you, challenge you, if you've not yet given towards our Christmas offering, just simply see what God would have you do. Um, and one of our core convictions here is, man, you cannot outgive God. God always blesses in return. Sometimes that is financial, sometimes that is spiritual, but either way, you cannot outgive God, and it truly is better to give than receive. After all, um, Jesus said that, and we believe everything Jesus says. Amen? Amen. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, uh, we're going to be several different places. Uh, we're going to be primarily in the book of Proverbs, and then we'll kind of jump over to Ecclesiastes for a moment. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can just watch uh, on, on the screen, and everything will be up there. Uh, here's the idea I want us uh, to get started with, and you can answer by show of hands, or you can just type it in the chat online. How many of you were taught to put your best foot forward? Show of hands. Okay, we are all taught to put our best foot forward online. Type it in the chat. I was taught to put my best foot forward. So here's how this worked out for me. Um, my wife and I met on Facebook, and this was back before like meeting online was a normal thing. Like when that happened for us, it was still kind of a, a weird thing, but it's kind of what happened. Um, and so when we finally got to the point that we were going to meet in person, I had about two weeks to get ready. And so I knew I needed to put my best foot forward. So here's what I did. I'd been slacking off and going to the gym, but starting two weeks before I met my future wife in person, I was back in the gym. When I made the drive up to go see her and, and I was going to be in my own little hotel room and meet her the next morning, I made sure that I didn't settle for the hotel version soap. I bought brand name body wash that smelled good so that I could be nice smelling and then the next day when I met her, I made sure I wore a nice shirt that had a collar. I even went with my sister and bought brand new blue jeans so that I could put my best foot forward. And of course, how did it work out? Well, she's sitting here this morning. And so despite the fact that she would later tell me that I was what she would call adorkable, um, and despite, I know, it's, I don't have a romantic bone in my body. It's just the way it is. And despite the fact that I got funnel cake sugar all over my nice black shirt, um, it went great. We ended up dating now. We're married. But we're all taught to put our best foot forward. This is why when you go to a job interview, like you don't wear your pajamas, you wear something 
nice. It's why when you have company over, especially if you have small kids, you're running around like a hurricane 15 minutes prior to to make sure the house is semi-presentable or at least you stuff everything in the side rooms and lock those doors so company doesn't go in there. At least the primary area is clear. Um, And it's why when you go to take Christmas card pictures, um, you don't take three because that's how many fit on the card. You take about 50 and then you pick the best three and maybe you do that on Instagram. But we're all taught to put our best foot forward But I don't think we ever ask the question, why do I feel like it's necessary to put my best foot forward? Why can't you just put your normal self forward? And the answer to that is simply this. The reason we feel like we have to put our best foot forward and we can't just put our self forward is because there's something behind our best foot. There's something behind the curtain of our lives that we don't want anybody else to see. It could be a sin we're struggling with. It could be some pain that we carry in our lives. But regardless, the reason we feel like I've got to put my best foot forward. I've got to make the best impression. It is often because there's something in my life that I want to conceal. I want to cover up. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's a pain that I carry. But I need to put my best foot forward so that other people can't see this other stuff. Because if other people saw this stuff, they wouldn't like me, they might reject me, and if God knew about it, God wouldn't have anything to do with me. And so what often happens, and maybe you even grew up in a church culture like this, is we may be carrying around something that's terribly heavy, something that that we know is wrong, but we can't seem to shake. We might be carrying pain from perhaps a traumatic or abusive past, but we feel like I can't let anybody know about this because if they knew, they wouldn't have anything to do with me. And so we conceal and we cover up and we tell ourselves, and maybe we're even taught this, that, man, it's actually better for you to cover it up. It's actually better for you to conceal it because then everybody will like you, everybody will love you, everybody will think highly of you. But reality is that the cover-up always blows up. And it doesn't actually work in our favor, it actually works against us. And so a great example for this is a story we find that runs from 2 Samuel chapter 11 through 2 Samuel 13, and you don't have to turn there, but... Let me just kind of describe what this looks like. In 2 Samuel 11, King David, who is described by Scripture as a man after God's own heart, makes a series of really, really unwise decisions that results in him committing adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. It turns out she becomes pregnant through that encounter, and David decides to try to cover it up. And his first attempt at covering it up doesn't work, so ultimately what he ends up doing 
is having her husband, who is in the army, go to the front lines to make sure he gets killed so David can take Bathsheba as his wife and things seem to be on the up and up. David had a sin, he covered it up, he thought he got away with it, but what we see in 2 Samuel chapter 12 is this blows up in his face. Because we can cover things up from people, but we can never cover them up from God. And God sees it and God sends the prophet Nathan to confront David. And at the end of the day, David ends up with civil war and Jerry Springer-like drama in his household as the overflow of his sin that he tried to conceal. And perhaps this is why one of David's sons, a guy named Solomon who becomes king after David, writes this in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. If you want to turn there, we'll refer to it a couple times this morning. But he starts off with this. He says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. Whoever tries to cover up their sins, whoever tries to put on a mask, whoever tries to make it look like, well, everything is okay, does not prosper. Because Scripture teaches that we always reap what we sow, and when we sin and try to conceal it, it always works against us. And there's two reasons for that. One is because there's always poisonous fruit that comes from sin. But the second reason is that anytime there's concealing, anytime there's a cover-up in our lives, there's always a deep anxiety that weighs down our soul out of the fear of what if they find out. Anybody ever felt that before? Like maybe when you were a kid with your parents, you did something and you're like, they can't find out and you were freaked out perpetually. Like, what if they find out? Like, I've been there. That's why Solomon writes this in Proverbs 12, 25. He says, anxiety weighs down the heart. When we conceal our sin, when we cover up our sin, Man, it's definitely going to blow up at some point because sin always results in poisonous fruit. But in the meantime, it creates this anxiety in our heart that weighs down our soul. And some of us come in here feeling that. And you may feel it because of sin in your life. Or you might feel it from pain in your life that is not your fault, but it comes from something that was done to you, something you went through. And we see this happen in 2 Samuel chapter 13. In 2 Samuel 13, Amnon, David's firstborn son, develops a sinful attraction to his half-sister Tamar, and after getting some really, really unwise, ungodly advice, he takes advantage of her, he violates her purity, and she is then kicked out because now he's disgusted by what he's done And she goes and tells her full brother Absalom, and Absalom's advice, which is always the advice of the enemy, it's always the advice of people who are far more concerned with reputation than with us. His advice is, just keep quiet about it. Don't tell anybody. Just conceal it, just cover it up, 
And Scripture teaches in the aftermath of that that Tamar lived alone, a desolate woman. And this is the aftermath of pain we carry around that we just kind of conceal, that we just kind of keep secret. Because just like anxiety weighs down the heart, Solomon writes in Proverbs 15 verse 13, heartache crushes the spirit. And he tells us in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, that a crushed spirit dries up the bones. See, some of us even come in here with physical pain, physical struggles, and they're the result of the emotional and mental pain that we carry around that we've never let anybody step into because we've been taught to conceal it And whether we were taught that outright or whether that was an impression that we just picked up, we conceal it, we cover it up, and we suffer in the aftermath because the reality is this, whether it's concealing sin or whether it's concealing pain, concealing sin and concealing pain crushes our soul. We tend to think, well, I need to cover this up, I need to conceal it, because what will people think? But reality is, when we conceal our sin, when we conceal our pain, we get our soul absolutely devastated. And if that's you this morning, here's what I want you to know. Man, God has a better way for you. God did not design you to be crushed under a weight that you were not designed to carry. He wants you free from that burden. He wants you healed from that pain. And I want you to just imagine for a moment, what would it be like to not carry around the weight of covering things up? What would it be like to be free from the anxiety that comes from concealing your sin and concealing your pain? What would it be like to finally let that out in the open and be freed from that struggle and be healed from that pain? Because, man, that's what God wants for you. And there's a way to that. But it's pretty uncomfortable. Because there's some gifts God wants to give us this morning. He wants to give us, He wants to give us the gift of help because so many of us we're here and we're struggling in our sin alone, or we're carrying our pain alone. And God wants to help us. He wants to help you. But more than that, He doesn't want to just see you get help. He wants to see healing happen in your life. He wants to see you healed from the sin that you've been battling. He wants to see you healed from the pain that you've been carrying. But it's going to come in a gift box that's going to be a little difficult to accept. And we get a clue on what that is, again, from the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, if you want to follow along. This is what it says. It says, two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. 
But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What is Solomon saying? He's saying that there's going to be times in all of our lives where, man, we fall down. We step into sin. And that's going to be every person in the room from, from your pastor to the person that's here. And man, you don't even believe a thing about Jesus. And that's because we're all a work in progress. There is no such thing as a perfect person who has arrived. We're all going to have moments where we step into sin. And what we need in that moment is someone to come alongside of us and help us struggle through it and get victory over it. There's going to be times where we go through pain and we feel isolated and cold and alone. And what we need in that moment is somebody to step into our lives and bring some warmth and bring some encouragement to get us healed from the pain we go through. There will be moments where we go through something, whether it's inflicted by our own sin or whether it comes from the burden of pain out of our past that's not our fault at all that we carry something that is way too heavy for us. And in those seasons, we need someone to come alongside of us or even more than one person to come alongside of us to help us carry the weight. The idea is this. For me to be whole, I have to have help. For me to be whole, for me to get help, for me to receive healing, I have to have help. I cannot do it by myself. But the only way help happens in our lives is if we make somebody aware of the pain we're carrying in our lives. I'll give you a great example. Um, last Sunday, um, I went to pick up uh, Kaysen, our three-year-old, from our pre-K room in Life Kids. And by the way, can we just give a hand to all of our Life Kids volunteers this morning? Like, they do an awesome, awesome, awesome job. Um, and it's not just because they teach kids Jesus on their level. It's because, man, they, they actually pay attention to our children while they're in there. And I'll give you a great example. Um, when I went to pick up Kaysen, our, uh, his pre-K teacher, her name is Heather, she said, hey, um, Kaysen was telling me that his ear was hurting. And so we took Kaysen to urgent care, and it turns out um, he didn't quite have a full-blown ear infection, but he did have some fluid behind his eardrum, and his ear looked irritated. And so we were able to catch that and treat it before it became something worse. But it happened because my little boy told someone, I'm hurting. And this morning, I'm here to tell you that in order for us to receive the help God wants to give us, in order for us to receive the healing God wants to bring into our lives, it's not going to happen in isolation. Our pain has to get out in the open. And listen, I know that's terrifying. 
I know even saying that, that that creates like kind of a sick feeling in the pit of your stomach to where it's like, well, I can't tell anybody that. If I let that out, what will they think of me? And that's usually true whether it's something that's a sin that you're involved in or if it's pain that's not your fault. But listen, concealing is not going to work. In fact, going back to Proverbs 28, if you'll remember, Solomon writes, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And confession is just simply this word. It means to say with. It means ultimately to agree with God that, hey, there's something in my life that is hurting me, that is deadly for me, that is unhealthy for me. And you're going to agree with God's assessment on it. But to confess also means that not only do you agree with God's assessment, it means you agree with God's prescription for your healing. And check out what he uses to bring healing. Proverbs 12, 18, it says, the tongue of the wise brings healing. But let me ask you this. How do you benefit from the words of the wise, whether that is someone who can identify the sin you're struggling with and help you take steps to overcome that? Or whether it's somebody who can speak a word of wisdom, a word of encouragement into your pain and help you get healing. It will not happen as long as you keep your sin and your pain a secret. Because remember, God wants to give us some gifts. He wants to give us the gift of help. And yes, that's going to come through His Holy Spirit working deeply in our heart, but it's also going to come through other people speaking. And he wants to give us the gift of healing. He wants to bring our soul to where it is healthy, to where it is whole, to where it is complete, to where it is thriving. But reality is this, help and healing only happen when we choose confession over concealing. Help and healing happen when we choose confession over concealing. And I know that is not a box that we are really like fired up to accept. Especially when you consider, as we're going to see in just a moment, that God actually calls us to confess to both Him and to other people. And that is thoroughly and completely frightening. Because, because we're scared, right? We're scared on two levels. We're scared of, well, if I tell somebody what I'm struggling with, if I tell somebody what I've done or what I'm doing then, man, they're going to reject me. And I get that. And maybe you even grew up in a church like that. Maybe you felt the effects of a church like that. And maybe that was why it was so hard for you to come back to church. Or maybe you're online and that's why it's so difficult for you to actually take the step of attending in person. Because you've felt that pain. You've gone through that. You've gone through the pain of, well, I opened up and I was rejected. 
And if that's you, what you need to know about our church is, man, we believe we're all a work in progress. There are no perfect people here. And I can just say, like, like my heart as your pastor is, I don't want you to suffer in silence. I don't want you to suffer in secrecy. I don't want anybody that calls LifeSpring Church home to feel like I've got to put on a pretty face. I've got to have it all together. No, if you're struggling, tell somebody. Because in this church family, we do not reject people because they're honest about their struggles. We come alongside and we help. That's who we are. But not only are we a church family like that, you need to understand that Jesus is a Savior like that. Well, some of us have in our mind that, well, man, if God really knew, and can I just let you know, He already knows. Like, the reason we confess our sin and confess our pain to God is not because God's like, oh my gosh, I never knew that. I didn't know you were looking at porn. I didn't know you were cheating on your taxes. That, that just catches me off guard. God doesn't look at us and say, man, I didn't know you went through a traumatic childhood. I never knew that you went through tremendous church hurt. Y'all, God is this theological word called omniscient. It means he's all-knowing. It means he knows every single thing that has happened will happen, or even could happen about your past, your present, and your future. He knows all of it. And guess what? Scripture says that before the foundation of the world, Jesus was slain. And what that simply means is this. God, in his perfect foreknowledge, knowing every wicked thing we would ever do and know every amount of pain and shame we would go through, he planned before time even began to send his one and only son, born of a virgin, to die on a cross to carry the weight of our sin and the weight of our shame and pain and have it nailed to the cross to where all that stuff would be forgiven and all that stuff would be erased, which is why 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, and again, that's just agreeing with God on, okay, there's something in my life that is broken. There's something in my life that is unhealthy. There's something in my life that is sinful or there is shame and pain that I'm carrying around. Watch what it says about God. He is faithful and just and will do two things. Forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness, when we go to God, when we open up, and we're not letting him know information he doesn't know, what we're doing is saying, okay, God, you see this, you know it, and guess what? I'm agreeing with you that my sin is wrong. And I'm agreeing with you that my pain is unhealthy. And I'm agreeing with you that my shame is wrecking my life. And Scripture says if we confess to him, what does he do? He forgives us. Why? Because all of our sin was forgiven through Christ. 
And it says he purifies us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because Jesus took every single ounce of shame and nailed it with him to the cross so that when God looks at you, it doesn't matter what abuse you've been through, what trauma you've been through, what pain you're experiencing, he doesn't see someone damaged, broken, and dirty. He sees the pure, spotless perfection of his son. He forgives our sin. He purifies us from all unrighteousness. That's what happens when we confess our sin. But remember, confession is not just agreeing with God's assessment of our situation. It is also agreeing with God's prescription for our healing, which leads to this. James 5.16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to who? To each other. And pray for each other. So that you may be what? God wants to give us healing. He wants to give us help. Comes in a box labeled confession. And biblically, We're called to confess our sin and pain to God and to other people. That's why one of the things we like to say around here is that, man, we're at our best together. We're at our best together because God brought the church into existence to where we can bear each other's burdens We can bear each other's pain. We can come alongside of each other when we struggle. Whether that's through an unspoken sin or a concealed pain and help each other find the healing that God wants to bring into our hearts through the work of His Holy Spirit and through the ministry of other people. And we can do that confidently because we know that through Christ, God never rejects us. God wants us to come to Him. And in this church family, we want you to confess your sin. We want you to confess your pain because my heart as your pastor is, man, when we say that Jesus offers us life that is too good to miss, We say this all the time. It is not just a ticket to heaven, although that's awesome. It's also a thriving, abundant life right now. And I don't want anybody under the sound of my voice or watching online later to, man, have your eternity secured in Christ, but then suffer deep emotional pain here on earth because there's a sin that you're concealing or a pain that you've never told anybody about. I want you to thrive, but in order for that to happen, it's gotta come out in the open. And so here's how we're gonna do that this morning. Um, I'm gonna pray in just a second, and Nathan is gonna sing, and I'm not gonna ask y'all to stand, just, just kinda stay seated. But there's an index card in each and every one of your seats, and Here's how I'm going to invite you to respond um, 
this morning. And, and there's going to be a few different ways you can do this, just, just based on your comfort level. Um, although what I can tell you is this, usually the more uncomfortable you're willing to get, the deeper a healing work God is going to do in your heart and soul. So on that index card, here's what I want you to do. Um, maybe there's a sin here in your life that, that you're struggling with you've never told anybody. I want you to write it on that card. And you don't have to share like your whole life story. Like Just a word or two is fine. And maybe there's a pain in your life that you're carrying around that, that is just crushing to your soul. I want you to write it down on that card. Again, just a word or two is fine. And there's two different things you can do with that. Safe option is just fold it up and just stick it in the pocket in the seat in front of you. Or if you're on the front row, just leave it on the seat and I'm going to come through after everybody leaves and collect those and, and, and my eyes will see And only my eyes will see That's the safe option. And there's nothing wrong with that. And in some cases, that may be the best option because you're going through something that's very, very weighty. Here's the other option. And if you're new here, like, this is very different. I've never done this. I don't know that I'll ever do it again. But it's just kind of where I felt led. The courageous option would be to write down your sin, write down your pain that you've never told anybody, and just hand it to the person next to you. And I think more than likely that's a step just a few of y'all will take, but here's what I can promise. Man, there is some deep, deep healing that comes with confessing your sin and confessing your pain. There is some deep freedom that comes with confessing your sin and confessing your pain. And the really, really, really courageous option is after you hand that to the person next to you is to simply ask them to pray for you. Why? Because when we confess our sin to each other and pray for each other, God brings healing into our life. So I'm going to pray for us this morning, and then you do what you feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to do. So Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, um, as we just get silent before you for a moment, that you would work deeply in our hearts, and in our lives. God, your word says you're close to the brokenhearted and so many of us coming here today brokenhearted over our sin, brokenhearted over our pain. And God, I pray in the next few moments you would do a deep healing work. As you sit there praying with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, before we move into our time of response, I always want to speak to the person here in the room or the person watching online and man you've not yet given your life to Christ and maybe it is for the very specific reason of you have always felt like you were too sinful and you were too broken and perhaps even too damaged for God you need to know that God sent his one and only son Jesus Christ to come to earth to die on the cross for your sin and your pain to forgive you, to make you pure, to make you right with God and he invites you today into a relationship with himself where you are made brand new in the eyes of God. 
And if that's you today and you feel like, man, I need to give my life to Christ, I want to invite you to do so just right where you sit and say, Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I can't save myself. And I need your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose from the dead. Today, I give you my life. Jesus, I'm all yours. I'm all in. If that was you this morning, what I would like you to do is, is very simply this. On that little index card, I want you to write down that today you gave your life to Christ. And then just give it to the person next to you. Let them know that today you stepped into eternal life. And, or if you really want to, I'm going to make my way out of the auditorium and just be in the lobby. If you really want to, you can come give it to me and I will celebrate like crazy. The Holy Spirit, we're deeply in our hearts here in the next few moments. Bring the healing that we need as we bear each other's burdens, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name.